Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Recently, my wife, Lauren, purchased this long, black, thick robe with like kind of a high collar to wear in the house now that it's getting cold, you know, now that winter is approaching. And I noticed after a few days that when Lauren was wearing this big, long, black robe, uh, she would act kind of mean, you know. And and this went on for a while until I, I sort of put two and two together. And finally, I said, Lauren, you may not realize this, but sometimes you act not so nice when you're wearing this uh, fucking Cruella de Vil robe here. So I, this is influencing your your character in a way, and therefore I think the robe needs to go. Let me buy you another robe, one that is uh, you know just as nice or nicer, but it, not just this big dramatic black like witchy looking thing, you know, because it's not having a good effect on you. And of course, she at first was not happy about that. She she resisted it. That's what uh, that's what they always do when you try to exercise the demon. They don't like it. But no, eventually I, I told her, like, seriously, let, you know, let's just buy something that uh, maybe is a brighter, cheerier color, something that is going to, uh, something maybe regal, whatever, you know, but we, we, we got to avoid this particular thing. So she finally agreed and we got her a new robe and now she wears this new robe and she seems fine okay i haven't seen any kind of strange behaviors from her now that she's wearing a robe that looks um a little less evil let's put it that way now this is a funny little story but it does make you think about the impact that costumes and presentation make when it comes to how you behave and how other people treat you and interact with you, which is, of course, what Halloween is all about. You know, as I alluded to in one of my Halloween podcasts, I mean, it's kind of amazing. Somebody dresses up in a costume and, yeah, it changes the way that person behaves that night. And there is a whole spectrum of different possibilities. But this is something that really extends beyond just Halloween. Um... It goes much, much further than that. I mean, uh, in your in your daily life, you can imagine. If I go out and I uh, I dress up like a lumberjack or something like that all day long, I start feeling ugh, like a mighty, powerful man, uh, you know. And and guess what? Ladies will come up and ask me to open pickle jars and stuff for them, right? Or uh, if I put on a nice expensive suit, everybody calls me sir, you know, and they get out of my way and they open doors. Or if I uh, if I put on a cape, and yes, I have sometimes just run around in a cape, even when it's not Halloween, because I do own ghost tour, a ghost tour business, and I'll get out there sometimes and I'll put on a cape. People look at you funny, but you start acting kind of mysterious. You start, you know, and they start treating you like a mysterious creature. And uh, people, they give you, you know, a lot of space for that cape to sort of flow around. And so all this kind of goes back to 
the last podcast that I did about how you can influence the world. And sometimes it's little, subtle, simple things, but things that form the case that your spirit is within. By the way, I you know I, I do this podcast as often as possible, and I have gotten so many just wonderful, warm, friendly emails full of, of gratitude and kind wishes from people all over the world from the podcast that I gave uh, a couple days ago about whether this is a friendly universe or one full of doom and gloom. A number of people contacted me and said, you know, it's amazing, this was just the message that I needed at this point in time, given where my mind was. One guy said that he had been, uh, just the night before, listening to some real doom and gloomers in, uh, in a podcast, and it got him down so much, he immediately just started thinking about me and wonder what what I'm up to and what my message is these days and it was perfect that I provided like a a counter argument to that way of thinking and so this all sort of ties in because if you're going to start shaping your reality a part of it is what some people call fake it till you make it so that's why I was saying in my other podcast it doesn't matter if you necessarily believe that in your heart of hearts that the universe is this big conscious benevolent being that wants you to be happy and succeed if you just start behaving that way if you just start acting that way then all of a sudden the universe will begin to behave that way now how this process works is kind of mysterious but the universe is a conscious sensitive thing And so you have to think about some of the things that you might not ordinarily think about in terms of how they're going to influence your own view of yourself and how the the people you come into contact with, especially, you know, on a personal basis, people you meet, run into face to face, how they're going, going to look at you and immediately judge you and treat you. And that's a subconscious thing in most cases. Most people don't even think about it, but you can can think about that. And it it really begins with how you decide to appear. You know, how are you going to make yourself look? So, you know, what are you going to do with with your hair? Or, you know, if you're a guy, are you going to are you going to have facial hair or not? Or, you know, if you are, uh, you know, what kind of clothes? And, And these are all superficial things. But the reality is, whether you like it or not, when you put on certain Outfits, and, and by outfit, I don't just mean literally clothes. I mean, I'm talking about an exterior persona, whatever other people are going to interact with as soon as they come into contact with you. When you put that outfit on, then it, it's going to transform the way you feel about yourself and how other people treat you. And all of, and all of that combined turns into the frequency the signal that you're going to project out to the universe and how that's going to determine what comes back to you. So, for example, last night, Lauren and I decided to go to an expensive steakhouse here in Las Vegas for dinner. Now, here in Vegas, you have every option you can imagine for food. I mean, everything is here. It's the entertainment capital of the world. 
people from every culture pour in here every day. And yeah, you can go out and, and the two of us can easily go out and have a great meal for $10 a piece. You know, I mean, that's, that's common. You need to go have a nice, uh, grilled chicken salad or, you know, get yourself a, just a jumbo baked potato or, uh, you know, there are all kinds of options. But last night we were like, you know, let's treat ourselves. Let's go out and do something nice. And so we went to this expensive steakhouse that claims they have the best steaks in the world. And I got to tell you, at this point, I agree. And I believe Lauren agrees as well. And she's from Texas, so she's especially picky about that. But uh, this is the second time we've been there. I don't want to give the name of the place just yet. I will someday. But uh, it really is fantastic. And so we're sitting there. We're spending much, much more money than we would have if we'd just gone to some, you know, normal run-of-the-mill restaurant. But we were thinking, hey, this is something that we're doing as a treat for ourselves. And yes, uh, I could still be alive right now today and probably just about as healthy, maybe even healthier, if I'd eaten something cheap last night. Um, But I... I went out there to that restaurant and we, we ordered the things that we wanted, you know, regardless of money, um, because that it makes you feel good to do that when you can. And when you feel good and you feel that you have the, the power and the ability to just do what you want and not even have to look at uh, the, the, the cost, then you feel abundant, you know, you feel plentiful. If you're always sitting down and you're, you're making decisions based upon the cost of everything, then you're projecting a sense of scarcity out there. You're projecting this sense out there that I'm, I'm poor, I'm not like everybody else, I don't deserve to have the, you know, the good stuff. Now, I'm not saying you have to go out there and be reckless, and there are people who are absurdly reckless. But I'm saying once in a while, you should go out and just treat yourself to something that you want, even if um, you feel like that you shouldn't be able to afford it. Do it. Do it anyway. And and I know this is a message that probably is even more um, perhaps relevant as we get into the Christmas season when everybody starts buying gifts for each other. And I've never liked that. I've never liked that idea that it puts this unnecessary stress and all this weird, awkward tension, uh, people buying each other gifts. Thanksgiving, I believe, is a much better holiday when you can just get together and break bread and share a meal. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to Christmas time, uh, I mean, you get a gift, and even if you don't like the gift, you have to pretend you like the gift, and, and it, it just becomes awkward for everybody. You get all this crap you don't even need. And you realize, I mean, sometimes you think to yourself, I wish I could tell this person, really, you know, you, you wasted your money on me. I knew, I mean, you didn't have to go out and buy me this dingy little thing here because um, you could have saved that and done something nice for yourself. It's, it's, I know it's a gesture and it's a thought, but it's not necessary. It's not necessary. So I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure as we get closer to Christmas, I'll talk more about my philosophy on gift giving and buying and all that kind of stuff and how sometimes gift giving actually is a sign 
of someone trying to get their claws in you. So if somebody, let's say somebody you don't really like, buys you a really nice gift, and then you get that gift, and you don't want to be rude, so you're like, oh, well, uh, well, thank you very much, and you don't want to be like, I can't accept this. Well, now, this person might actually feel like somehow you owe that person something, and this puts you in a position where you're starting to feel out of control, like this person is using the fact that he or she gave you this gift to control you, right? And this actually goes back to a lot of uh, ancient magical thinking as well about, you know, people who give you things, you take it and it carries an energy with it. So that's all stuff that we'll get into closer to Christmas. But as Lauren and I were sitting at the restaurant last night, and uh, we were talking about how nice it was for us to just be like, you know, yeah, we both work hard. Um, let's just treat ourselves to this really nice meal. I was reminded of um, one of my favorite self-help authors, self-improvement, self-transformation, whatever you want to call it. His name is Joe Vitale. You may have seen him in the movie The Secret, which was a big hit probably some 20-odd years ago about law of attraction and manifestation. And uh, in one of his books, he talks about the fact that, you know, he was homeless uh, for many years when he was a younger man. And uh, he gradually worked his way through many industries and became a successful author and speaker. But um, he he finally became rich, you know, and uh, started buying all these different exotic cars and stuff. And he has a nice big estate in Texas. And in in one of his books, he said that he went to some uh, event, and it was a big success, and, you know, he made a good amount of money, and so he decided to go out and celebrate and do something nice for himself. And so he likes to smoke cigars, so he went out and he bought a $700 cigar lighter. And... Once he bought it, he said he said it, it felt like crazy to me, you know. He says it made my heart beat fast, spending that much money on just a lighter. But he said it felt nice to be able to go in and to to a cigar store and say, "What's your best, you know, lighter here? What's the most expensive best lighter?" And and to boom, buy that thing. And he said that this is now a constant reminder of him that he can be a success and that there are people who find out he has this $700 lighter and they say, oh my God, that's just disgusting. Are you kidding? Well, think of all the things you could have done with that $700, you know, you have all the people you could have fed or, you know, whatever. And he says, look, it's not an either or. He says, I can still do all those things. I can still help people. I can still be generous and charitable and all that. But I also can get this for me so that I feel good about myself and I can continue projecting that positive vibe out there, that vibe of success, of abundance, that fearlessness, so that it will come back to me and continue giving this whole process momentum so I can keep doing good and keep doing good because the minute you stop thinking of yourself as a successful person, who's tapped into the abundance of creation, well then, 
You're not. You're of no use to anybody, including yourself. I mean, you, you have to. You have to think of yourself first as the originator of any charity, because you're not going to feel very charitable when you're sitting there, you know, in a, in a depressed, negative, hungry state yourself, right? So you you have to keep keep the energy flow going and you are the energy flow you're the battery you're the power supply for this process keep that going keep that flowing and do that by not being afraid to treat yourself once in a while to something that's that's really nice and uh i hope that that makes sense to you that if you are you know if you go out once in a while and you spend money uh on yourself money that you might consider extravagant you know based upon what you usually uh, are up to but if you go out and you do that then ultimately that is one of the big steps leading you toward having the things in life that you enjoy and for me personally uh i i tend to buy things that are either like consumable you know so to me that creates a nice memory uh like the steak dinner last night or i like to buy some kind of instruments that I can use for research. So this is something that will last me maybe for the rest of my life as I work on projects. I like to buy musical instruments because that is uh, good for my spirit. Um, you know, I, I like to buy things that will allow me to sort of continue doing, you know, feeling good and doing the work that I do as opposed to just buying something that sits on the shelf. You know, And that's ironic because I have a museum. But... Even the museum, I think, is quite reasonable in terms of um, the, the, the content that's placed on the shelf. So anyway, last night when we were sitting in this restaurant, this restaurant is renowned because uh, it was so big, especially in the 1960s with Las Vegas celebrities. All these people from the Rat Pack would go there. I mean, it was pretty common uh, after a show to see the entire Rat Pack at a booth in this restaurant. And we were thinking, and this is just a bit of a side note, but we were thinking about how that these days it's actually much rarer to to go to a place that is frequented by celebrities like that. And that's because the celebrities today are scared to death because they know that when they go out in public immediately people are going to be so disrespectful they're going to pull out their phones and they're going to start taking pictures and recording video and there's just no privacy and i i'm sure that uh most of your big big celebrities these days they they just go home you know they have a they have a nice house and maybe you know they they might throw their own little party but they're not going to go out in public like they used to back in the old days and that's a real shame also that we've reached a point where there's just no privacy whatsoever you know given to celebrities that people see a celebrity and they just want to run right up to him and feel like I'm owed a selfie or whatever to put on my stupid ass little Facebook page or in my Instagram or whatever everybody feels like oh if I can get up there and get my picture you know that I'll I'll be uh I'll be a, a mini celebrity because I'm with this person, and uh, it, it really is um, it really is bizarre to me. And so that's why it's unfortunate you have these really classy places 
where some of the celebs used to hang out, some of these entertainers and performers, but now there's just this mentality where, you know, they don't want to go out in public because this stuff, whatever somebody grabs or takes out of context can just be instantly uploaded onto the internet and could could ruin your career if something is presented the wrong way. So that's just something interesting that was, you know, a part of our conversation last night when we were comparing what life might have been like back in those days to what it's like today. But anyway, this is, of course, Friday, and we're up on a weekend. Thank goodness the stormy, you know, the, the winter weather uh, in the southeast is clearing up quite a bit, and I am very delighted that the haunted Asheville ghost tours are as busy as ever tonight and the rest of this weekend and so I want to give you a little update because I have been able now of course to talk to Christian McLeod and Reverend Pamela Mortimer about what happened on November the 13th in downtown Asheville when they did the tour on the anniversary of the Will Harris murders Asheville's largest mass murder killing spree and there was actually a pretty significant crowd that showed up. I think we were all surprised because it turns out the weather was, you know, really nasty. It was very cold and rainy and dreary, but that did not stop people. Some people drove from hours away. In fact, uh, there were some people who who came, uh, drove at least, I think, three hours or something like that and, and said they had the best night of their lives. They were taking pictures with everybody at the end. They were saying they were going to come back. And so... Long story short, uh, and this was recorded to some extent, so I'll have to see if I can access some of those recordings, but long story short, um, Reverend Pam, she got around the spot where Will Harris was sitting there drinking the bottle of whiskey in Pearl's apartment on Eagle Street, and she said she's never felt such a strong impression of just like terror and dread and pain and she actually could feel the uh, the horror of what Pearl was going through how scared Pearl was she could sense the mental illness of Will Harris and and how distorted his view of reality was. She says it wasn't just the whiskey. That this was a guy whose whose brain was diseased. It just wasn't working right, you know? And then but she said one of the worst things is she could actually feel the pain that the first police officer uh, Charles Blackstock felt when he was struck by that bullet by that bullet that hit him in the chest and um, from there you know she said as she walked the route that she could she could pick up on you know other little things other sort of fleeting things but because that he had sat there for hours for hours and uh, and I'm walking around because I want to grab something real quick I just thought about that would would lend something to this uh, because she was there for hours 
uh, or he was there for hours at that spot with Pearl, there was such strong energy there that wasn't quite as strong on the murder pathway. But uh, anyway, Pamela also said that as she was walking around downtown Asheville, that she was able to pick up on um, all kinds of other impressions at places like the Thomas Wolfe House. She could see um, his mother standing on the porch and uh, various churches. Um, but here's what I what uh, I wanted to point out to you. Okay, you might remember I wrote the foreword to this book called Wicked Asheville that was published this year, written by Marla Hardy Milling. And there's a chapter in this book about the Will Harris murders, and it's called The Night Evil Came to Town. And this is uh, what I want to share with you. And I, I remembered uh, this when I read it, but I'd, I'd forgotten it. It says, after the Will Harris murder occurred, now the two police officers who were killed by Will Harris were, were named um, Bailey and Blackstock. It says, superstition after this event caused the Asheville Police Department to permanently retire Officer Bailey's badge. The mass murder happened at 13 Biltmore Avenue on November 13th, and Bailey's badge number was number 13. And the number 13 goes all throughout Asheville's history. Battery Park Hotel, where numerous suicides have occurred 13 stories tall. Uh, one of the most haunted buildings in the whole region was the Battle Mansion, which, when I was doing my research, housed the headquarters of News 13 WLOS. My radio show, Speaking of Strange, and uh, other spooky stuff like Coast to Coast AM, is broadcast by News Radio 570, located at 13 Summerlin Avenue. Um, the Shelton Laurel Massacre, which occurred in Western North Carolina during the Civil War, was the massacre of 13 men and boys, the youngest of which was 13 years old. I mean, 13 just goes on and on and on when it comes to the history of Asheville. So anyway, that's a bit of an update for you. They had uh, one hell of a night. Uh, Christian and Pamela were able to bring the people there as close as possible to what happened that terrible night. It was a very mentally immersive experience. And so maybe we'll do some similar things in the future. But uh, if you are interested in taking a Haunted Asheville ghost tour, if you're in the area, go to hauntedashville.com. Now I'm talking about Asheville, North Carolina. But if there's no way that you're going to be near Asheville, North Carolina, because people listen to this podcast all over the world, well, listen to this. If you go to hauntedashville.com and you scroll down, to the bottom of the page you will find an app there that i created called the haunted Asheville self-guided tour and if you buy that app you will hear me reading you or, or telling you uh, all of the stories with sound effects and music i recorded all this myself years ago actually and um so a lot of people who can't make it to Asheville 
can still have the experience, the theater of the mind of going on the walk with me telling you the stories. Because this was designed for people who, let's say they want to take a tour on their own time when we're not offering a tour with a guide. My idea was, well, you can download this app and it'll tell you, take a left here, take a right there. You know, it has a map and then take a left here and press number two. All right, now walk to this direction, press number three, you know, now take a right, and when you get to this monument, press number. And so that was the idea. But you, I have found, you can appreciate the tour by just uh, listening to the stories. And if you really want to take it to the next level, you also actually could, I guess, get onto uh, like Google Maps Street View, and you could kind of walk along. I guess that's another option. So it it costs four dollars and ninety five cents U.S. dollars to get this app. If you go to hauntedashville.com, scroll down, and uh, that is if you're not going to make it to Asheville for a guided tour, you will not be disappointed. And and actually, the app might be even be superior in some ways because it's me telling you the story. And like I say, I hand selected the uh, the sound effects and the music and it really creates a very theatrical experience so anyway look i believe that's going to do it for today's podcast there's so much stuff going on i'm working on some possible new trips and tv shoots coming up i have new research i'm going to be telling you about um this is just an enormously exciting time heading through the holidays and into can you believe it the year 2019 so if you enjoy this podcast, especially if you, you know, if you like the one I did last time where I was talking about you know, whether we're in a friendly universe or a universe full of doom and gloom, share it with others, please. That's the least you can do. Um, however you want to do that, whether it's through social media or just send out an email and say, give this a listen you know, with the link to the podcast. This podcast is called Joshua P. Warren Daily. If you go to joshuapwarren.com, there's no period after the P. You'll find a lot of cool stuff. I have a curiosity shop there with things you won't find anywhere else on the Internet, all kinds of interesting videos. I'm always updating it. If you go to joshuapwarren.com, you'll find a link to Joshua P. Warren Daily. It's always short. It's always free. It's independent. It's completely uncensored. If you don't believe that, fuck you. Go to joshuapwarren.com. Click the link to Joshua P. Warren Daily. You can subscribe through various means or follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, and I will usually tweet when a new one is available. So that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and your sincere support. Thank you for staying curious, and I will talk to you again soon.